0: Welcome to The Teaching Curve, a podcast exploring the pedagogy of global politics and international relations, produced under the auspices of the Innovative Pedagogy Initiative of the International Studies Association and made available through the ISA Professional Resource Center. I'm Jamie Free, Associate Provost and Professor of Global Politics at Bridgewater College. The episodes of The Teaching Curve are conversations with thoughtful and innovative teachers of international studies. The goal is to celebrate and inspire pedagogical creativity by tapping into the energy that animates successful teachers. Inevitably, this is more than just a duty to do a good job or even to serve students. The energy that animates successful teachers is a joy that comes from empowering others by facilitating environments in which students tap into their own agency to create projects that have meaning and purpose in a deeply personal way. Today's conversation is with Kate Schick and Claire Timberlake. Kate and Claire teach at Tahere Nuaka, also known as Victoria University, in Wellington, in Aotearoa, the country most of us call New Zealand. They are also the editors of a new volume from Routledge entitled Subversive Pedagogies, Radical Possibility in the Academy. Our conversation covers emotional and life-affirming rewards that can be found in investing in the practices of good teaching. Approaches to the profession that create synergies between academic responsibilities that are normally considered separate and distinct obligations. And how pedagogical choices can subvert the constraints of the neoliberal colonial university for the benefit of students, instructors, and society at large. So Kate Schick and Claire Timperley, welcome to the Teaching Curve podcast. So glad we could get this going across so many time zones. I'm thrilled to have you here. Thank you (laughs) for coming. It's a
1: pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you for inviting us.
0: The first question I always ask is about the people who make us teachers and that's our students. So can you tell me a little bit about the students at Tehera Nuwaka University, which is also known as Victoria University in Wellington? That's right.
2: Yeah, so we have, a really diverse range of students, we have about 20,000 um, students from across Aotearoa New Zealand um, and also international students from over 100 countries. Um, about 12% of our students are, are Māori, so they're the the indigenous people of Aotearoa New Zealand, uh, about 6% of Pacifica. Uh, Most of our students work, some of them quite long hours, um, battling high cost of living, wages that aren't keeping place with inflation, Mm. um, an increasing number face housing insecurity. um, And, you know, a number of them also have struggles with mental health. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of uh, socioeconomic diversity and and we have a number of first generation students. Mm.
1: And we're we're one of the eight public universities in New Zealand, or in fact, all of the universities in New Zealand mm-hmm. are public universities. So, um, yeah, they draw from across the country and really are kind of representative of all of the people across the country. It's sort of assumed that if you want to attend university, you should be able to, assuming you complete your final year of high school.
0: It must create diverse classrooms in the, the those ranges of people that sometimes make it difficult to teach, huh?
1: It, it does. Yeah, yeah it makes yeah. a big difference. Also, whether you're teaching first year students or third year students by third year, they often have a better sense of the institution and how it works and, and some of the constraints and the power dynamics, um, which we talk about a little bit in the book. Um, but in the first year, there's an awful lot of trying to reveal the hidden curriculum trying to Mm -hmm. get students Mm -hmm. some students just naturally fall into it either because of their high school or their their parents experiences but for many we actually have to do quite a lot of work just kind of bringing them into this institution which i mean again we talk about a bit in the book is sort of neoliberal and colonial and has a whole set of assumptions and rules that aren't always clear to
0: students Mm-hmm. And, and that's what you mean by the hidden curriculum. I think that that's a term that some people may not be familiar with, but oh, that's okay. a powerful thing. Tell me about that. So
1: It really is. So this hidden curriculum is um, all the assumptions built into a university education that especially if you yourself have had in an, an, an university education, which most people who are teaching at universities have, mm-hmm. um, you just assume that everybody knows how it works. So you assume that people know what a lecture is, you assume they know how to take notes for mm. a lecture. <laughs> um, you assume they even know kind of how to navigate around the place and where the library is and what a library does. I've, I've had students come to my office and I've given them recommendations for books and they don't even know what a call number is. They don't know yeah. how to find that book in the library. So, um, yeah, especially at the first year, there's a there's a lot of work just sort of making sure that that. That stuff, which is often an obstacle to students learning, but really doesn't need to be if we're just really clear about some of the, some Mm -hmm. of the kind of the basic logic of how the
0: institution works. That's great. I mean, that's a, it's such an important thing to in how you think about what you, what authorizes you to be in front of the classroom. Right. I mean, in many ways. The three little letters after our names are, are are things that say we know the content, right? But we're mm-hmm. also so used to being students that we forget that we're also very good at studentness, at being students. That's
2: very true. Yeah, even things like managing time, right? So I always do a session with my students about, okay, so you have a three thousand or a seven thousand or however long the essay is, um, essay word essay to write let's sit down and think about how you're going to carve out time to to plan and do your research and to write that. And are you going to do all your research before you start writing? Or like, how are we going to do this? And so mm-hmm. orienting your student to the art of writing an essay, even in terms of like how much time per day between now and the due date. So, you know, I do that quite explicitly with my students and I share with them my own writing journeys and how I carve out time and going through those kind of maybe quite basic things i think students really
0: appreciate it and so that personal quality of teaching is something that the lucky those of us lucky enough to find it find it really fulfilling i think mm-hmm. but there's also what the university what the institution asks you to do and so is there some how do you make sense of that difference between what the university university asks you to do and what you choose to do as a as a teacher investing in these ways
1: well, <laughs> <laughs> I think again, this is something that it's taken time, to, and I can I suspect will continue to take time to develop. Um, I, I I mentioned in the book that I um, was re- was recently treated for for breast cancer, and that's definitely been helpful for me in terms of reordering my priorities. COVID, I think, has actually mm-hmm. played a similar role for many people. What actually matters about mm-hmm about this life that we have and and what we can do in it. And for me, recognizing that I care deeply about other people and especially about students or people who are more vulnerable than me or in precarious positions, I care a lot about. We know that within academia, that's becoming more and more rampant. And so for me, it's just being really clear about what are my values and how do I align those with the demands of my job? Um, we're quite lucky that the university does place value on teaching as its own enterprise. So Mm -hmm. we're not feeling like we're having to constantly do teaching in the margins. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, I'm happy to devote perhaps more time than others would to teaching, because for me, that's just really important to me for uh, for some of the reasons we've mentioned here and a whole Mm -hmm. host of other reasons. Mm -hmm. But yeah, in terms of what how to manage what the institution demands of me I think I've done an awful lot of thinking about you know what does my job require of me but also what is really important and how can I make those two things align as best as possible mm-hmm. I don't always get it right but mm. I feel like I'm moving in the right direction mm. okay
2: yeah I think um, and it's a very similar story for me I think I know obviously the the university has particular demands and you need to make sure that you're you're meeting those demands right you're doing a job um but i i do try to think you know as various options are presented to me what's what am i going to find most life-giving um and and i yeah so ensuring that the the projects i take on are largely ones that kind of align with who i am and what my values are. Um, and so teaching related things, um, you know, for both of us, I think also our teaching is, you know, fed into our research, um, mm-hmm. increasingly, um, yeah. over time. And so that's been a really nice way of marrying our research and our teaching. The way I sometimes put it is that I enjoy all the different aspects of my job. Actually, mm-hmm. I, I really love my job, but I, it's sometimes in aggregate. It feels like too much, you know, um, and we have young families, and sometimes juggling it at all is um, it, can, it can be challenging. So I think kind of so maximizing maximizing the life giving as as you kind of meet meet the the kind of the the, the necessary. Um, goals is is important. Yeah. Well,
0: and I mean, of course, one of the things that then they throw you the curve, like a pandemic, that says, and all of those patterns that you've developed, yeah. those aren't necessarily going to work anymore. So go figure yeah. out some new ones. By the way. No, that's yeah. Very true.
1: Just that's move your true. teaching online, yeah. or in the case of New Zealand, we want you to teach both online and yep. in person simultaneously. But it's been so interesting to me just how what this reveals about what the university thinks that we're doing in our Mm -hmm. classrooms as well, because it seemed to me, at least this could just be my experience, but of the the university called it dual delivery was very much an underlying assumption that I stand at the front of my lecture and I lecture at students. And so it's no extra effort for me just to push a record button. and then it's all presented in dual delivery voila and that's just <laughs> that's just not how i run my classroom at a uh, mm-hmm. like Kate, hey, it's very interactive i have them in groups we do lots back to, i really like to get them moving around the room and mm-hmm. yeah it just it it becomes a very different enterprise trying mm. to convert what i used to do into this dual delivery but yeah really speaks i think again to that I don't think this is even hidden curriculum. I think this is just an assumption that the university had about what teaching looks like.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And if you did it right, you could just record the thing and then take vacation the next semester, right? Just yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: They don't even need you anymore.
0: (laughs) Uh, Now you're talking about neoliberal universities. So let's talk about the book, which is fantastic. And uh, I, my my first question is about the title. Why mm-hmm. subversive pedagogies? What is it that teaching should be subverting?
2: So I think one of the reasons that we called um, the book Subversive Pedagogies was um, because the thing that Claire was just talking about, that kind of dominant um, transmission model of education where mm-hmm. Is that the expert Noah, the the lecturer, the university lecturer, um, transmitting knowledge to um, to the kind of receptive student? And you know, I think it's it's a, it's a caricature, right? I don't think that's um, really the way that most people teach all the time. But I think it's it's recognisable for a reason, and so. Um, so part of what we're trying to do is to um to kind of rethink our practices and sites of teaching as well as the content i think there's been a lot of attention to content and maybe less attention to the kind of the how like what we're doing with our teaching um yeah to challenge this dominant transmission which is prevalent in the neoliberal colonial university
0: Mm. that totally makes sense to me what's the goal of the book
1: (laughs) um I mean, I think we had a couple of of kind of political and ethical projects in mind. I think we wanted to we wanted to articulate kind of our concerns with the with the current model of education or the dominant mm-hmm. model of education. Um, I think we also saw in our university that more and more, at least of the lecturers that we were in contact with, were doing some phenomenal. Mm-hmm kind of challenging of of the, the dominant model. And so we could see that there was a lot of work on the ground that wasn't necessarily being shared more broadly. We also saw a lot of things happening outside of the university, which were very exciting to us. And we thought should be considered pedagogy in a way that Again, the way that we discipline, both kind of within the discipline and between disciplines, sometimes we we don't see those things mm-hmm. because we we can't fit them neatly into their little um, disciplinary boundaries. So I think yeah, some of the things we wanted to do were kind of we we wanted to offer some kind of the some theory to kind of both identify some of the problems, but also to think about alternatives so we do do a bit of work in our introduction thinking about relational and embodied pedagogies. um, As alternatives to this kind of transmission model, Mm -hmm. but we also wanted to offer some really and, and a number of the contributors also offer some really thoughtful. Um, kind of theoretical contributions to how how can we understand pedagogy? What what is what it what is it to teach, mm-hmm. um, or even is teaching impossible? Is sort of the the central premise of one of the chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think we also wanted to offer some kind of practical examples mm-hmm. of what does some whether you want to call it subversive pedagogy or alternative pedagogy look like. So there are a couple of chapters which offer concrete examples of what are some ways that you can think about pedagogy and how might you use that, whether it's in your classroom or outside your classroom or kind of in the community.
2: And I mean, I think partly we wanted to learn from these contributors, right? We sort of, we sat down, actually we were on a retreat um, and we, we sat down and kind of made a wish list of a bunch of people just for starters that we thought were were doing really interesting and exciting things and that we wanted to learn from and that we thought um you know that woven together would make um for an exciting volume with um different voices and and different ways of engaging with students and 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 the public as well. So um so yeah so that was our kind of starting point was. Oh, this is exciting. Let's, we actually kind of, we kind of came up with a title and then thought, right, how are we going to make this? Yeah. <laughs> are we are going to make this work?
0: And I think very successfully done, by the way, with, with your goals. <laughs> but I, I mean, I think that if you're, if we're talking to people who are not yet convinced, they're going to say, <laughs> well, that sounds hard. That, that sounds like uh, you're making my teaching harder. Uh, what do you say to that? How are you going to convince them that it's worth? investing themselves to do this, like you all have?
1: Hmm. Well, one of one of the things that I boast about to to my, my colleagues is what an absolute delight it is to mark for these courses. Yes, that
2: is very true. Um, yeah.
1: So some of the things that I do are, I offer assessment options. So rarely do I tell students you must do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. I have a few different options that they can choose from. Um, So I've had students, um, they have produced waiata, traditional Māori songs. They've um, given me these beautiful, I had one student do essentially an embroidery exhibition where she made a number of pieces of embroidery. I had one student who worked at a cafe in town. She convinced the owner of the cafe to let her take over the cafe and turn it into a temporary art gallery one evening. And so she had filled this cafe with her artwork. This was for a feminist theory course. And she'd invited all her friends. I took along my my four-year-old at the time and he was sort of gazing around at all that. So, I mean, the marking is just, Mm -hmm. it's not work. It's Mm -hmm. just an utter delight to be engaging with these students. And they're so enthusiastic Mm -hmm. and novel and innovative. And yeah, Mm -hmm. I just, so if you're converting, I mean, any conversion of a course into something else is going to be work. I'm not trying to suggest there's not work involved, Mm -hmm. but once you've got it, for for me, it's a real joy, Mm -hmm. Um, especially yeah, the, the marking, which often is a bit burdensome <laughs> or can mm-hmm. be if it's just essay after essay after essay. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, more generally, just students' responses to the course. It's just, yeah, so fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Sorry.
2: Yeah, go? and I think we get to know our students a lot better, right? So one yeah. of the things that um, that I've started doing, I've also recently started doing the creative option because I um, I sort of borrowed it from Claire <laughs> and actually um, and from another colleague, Greta Snyder, who's at Williams. Um, and I've watched them have this creative option, and it's been such a joy. It's been a lovely, um, yeah, that's been really wonderful. And I also get my students to write um, self-reflection essays mm-hmm. at the end of the course, and you know, it's 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 amazing that you really hear from students, and you hear the way that they've engaged with the material, and um, and very often they're reflecting on their lives, and they're they're integrating the two, and that's very exciting, and. Um, yeah, and often moving, and uh, yeah. So, I, I think it it increases the joy quotient. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And and I would say, if I'm trying to diagnose why that works, I would say what you're doing is authorizing the agency of the students as creative people, mm-hmm. which is, of course, what education should all be about. But in the model that you're talking about, for where it's seen, where it's been, and where it's seen, it's not about it creativity. It's about just remembering, you know. <laughs> and so when you say you get to choose how you do your assignments or the creativity in this is an expression of what we're building for the, the reason for the course.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, all of that seems like when you they're turning on their own light bulbs, as opposed to you kind of screwing something in and flipping yeah. the, they're, they're doing it. Yeah, and, right.
1: and the effort they put in is far greater than they would for a rote assessment. Mm. They're doing it, and I um, positively encourage them to work together on things. Mm. So I've had some students, they've um, created board games together. And just in the construction of the game and thinking about the rules and thinking about what they want to include, they're having these discussions about New Zealand politics or feminist theory or whatever mm. it is that I'm teaching that I could only dream of them sitting and having Mm. um that's kind of on their time Mm. they're choosing
2: to do that and that's just brilliant (laughs) and they're talking with flatmates and friends and parents and grandparents and um and you know i had one student who was who was weaving for the first time and she was um she was learning from her her grandmother and and aunties, and there was uh, you know a lot of banter, and it was also a way of her. So it was a le- way of her learning a traditional skill, but also um, of building that relationship as well. And and mm-hmm. all as all is all the while as she was kind of engaging with the material. So yeah, I think um, another student took his painting on holiday with him, and so you know, and he was you know talking about this with his. With his friends as they were, you know, on holiday, and yeah, so I, I think it, it's more likely to seep into their everyday lives and everyday relationships as well. Um, I think when you're inviting this kind of engagement, it's not just in the classroom and in the library. Mm.
1: Quite early on, I was introduced, I was very lucky when I was at graduate school, I was able to, um, I went to the University of Virginia and they had this fantastic course design institute. And one of the things they introduced us to was backwards course design, Mm -hmm. which is motivated by the question, what do you wish your students remembered from this course in five years time? Mm -hmm. And that's been hugely influential for me in terms of thinking about what are the experiences, Like the the content is obviously important. That's Mm. kind of the foundation of what what the course is designed around. Um, But at the end of the day, it's how they engage with that and what they're gonna remember really shifts how you view, or for me, how Mm. I viewed what I was trying to do with a course. And Mm. so, yeah, these students who do these creative projects, I'm pretty confident that in five years time, They will remember what they did Mm -hmm. and actually some of the content along with that whereas Mm -hmm. if i ask them to do a standard essay for some of them they will because that's really how they how they want to engage but for for many it's just something that's a requirement check the box Mm -hmm. get the grade and move Mm -hmm. on and forgotten in probably two weeks
0: (laughs) no i i I think that that's fair i think this is a an example of an approach to students as real in 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 control as owners of this process that you're asking them to do as opposed to doing it for you they're doing it for themselves yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's i think that's how you build people to invest and engage in what they're up to they're doing mm-hmm. it for themselves and and they understand it they can link task to mission to pro to task the project to mission and it, mm-hmm. it makes sense to them so Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Kate and Claire, this has been fantastic. What a great conversation. I um, really enjoyed your energy together. I can understand how the project worked and how you were able to pull that off together. And just the conversations that I know that went into all of that stuff just comes spilling out as a collaborative relationship that I know you value and I hope you continue to do it because not everybody finds that. And that's Mm -hmm. a very powerful, piece of the creative energies that go into not just the teaching, but the telling us about your teaching and other people's stuff, we're benefiting from it. So thank you very much for coming.
1: Thank you. It's been Um, a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting us. This has been a really enjoyable conversation.
0: For those interested in joining the larger disciplinary conversation about pedagogy, don't forget to register today for ISA's innovative pedagogy conference to be held Tuesday, March 29th in Nashville, Tennessee. There's so much conferencing we need to get back to. The Teaching Curve podcast is made available through the ISA Professional Resource Center under the auspices of the Innovative Pedagogy Initiative. You can send feedback or suggestions for future interviews to teachingcurve at isonet.org and follow us on Twitter at Teaching Curve. Thanks for joining us again on the Teaching Curve. And remember, learn something every time you teach.